Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. This is my phone. One of the things that I love the most about smartphones are the apps. Thousands of apps. And some of the apps are really nice, like this. Are you familiar with FaceGoo? With this app, you can take photos and you can twist them and distort them and squeeze them and squish them and make your friends look really silly, like this. Hello, Will and Julie. Kind of a fun little app. Or how about this one? This one's called Have to Pee. Any guesses what this one's for? This app will locate the nearest toilet for those moments when time is of the essence. What did we ever do without these? Well, influence. We're teaching through the biblical book of 1 Kings, and today we're at chapter 13. Here's what just went on. Chapter 12, king by the name of Jeroboam, he's just taken the the 10 of the 12 tribes. He seceded from the southern kingdom, starting his own. One problem he's got is Jerusalem, the capital, and the temple are located in the southern kingdom. So what Jeroboam does is he kind of blows off some of God's laws. He creates his own temple. He creates his own worship. He creates some of his own festivals. He appoints some of his own priests. Well, in chapter 13, God responds to what Jeroboam has been doing. Begins this way, chapter 13, verse 1. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. So God, he sends a prophet to confront King Jeroboam for what he's done. Now, we aren't given the name of this prophet anywhere in this passage or in the Bible, but here is what he said. Verse 2. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here, and human bones will be burned on you. If you're trying to interpret that, that is not good news for Jeroboam. That's not a positive prophecy. So to verify, are are these words from God... The prophet goes on and he also says this, verse 3, The same day the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. He said, I want to just verify that this is really God's word to you. The stone is going to split. Well, stones, they don't spontaneously split. Did that happen? Verse 5, the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. That that sign solidified this prophet's resume. He's the real deal. That's miracle number one. Well, 1 Kings 13, here's what's going on so far. We've got a disobedient king, we've got a word from the Lord, and we've got a prophet. The passage continues. I want to read this next verse using another app. It's called Voice Changer. So here, 1 Kings 13, verse 4, 
in my helium voice. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him. Well, that's kind of fun. I want to try that again. This time, I want to be Darth Vader. Let's do it. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him. I kind of wish I sounded like that all the time. (laughs) Fun apps. But if you didn't understand what was going on, here's what happened. King Jeroboam, he didn't like the prophecy that this prophet had, so he had him seized and had him arrested. Verse 4 continues with this, but the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Miracle number two in this passage. God protects the prophet by having King Jeroboam's hand shrivel up so he, he couldn't release the prophet. Prophet then was free. See, what God did in this moment, a health issue. It was a physical ailment. You ever had one of those? Maybe you have one of those. One of the things that can happen in those moments of life, it can change our perspective. That's what happened with King Jeroboam. In that moment, his health was taken away. He realized he was in charge of a nation, but he wasn't even really in charge of his own life. God was. Maybe that's something that God's trying to get across to you today. We need him. We're dependent on him. Well, it continues in verse 6. Then the king said to the man of God, Intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. Remember, this is the same king who just had the prophet arrested and seized. Now he's asking the same prophet, Hey, can you help me out here? Humble them just a little bit there. How do you think the prophet's going to respond? I mean, this guy just tried to have him arrested. Is he going to help him out? Instead of of trying to pay back or get revenge, the prophet does this, verse 6, So the man of God interceded with the Lord, and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. He asked God to heal King Jeroboam, and God did. Miracle number 3. So, 1 Kings chapter 13. Does anybody know what happens next? See, this is one of the stories in the Bible. It really doesn't get very much airtime. It tends to be fairly unknown. What we just went through, these first three verses, it's really just setting up what comes next. Well, what comes next, King Jeroboam, after that whole episode, his heart is softened, and instead of arresting this prophet, he does this. Verse 7, The king said to the man of God, Come home with me for a meal, and I will give you a gift. Well, that that's a flip, right? All of a sudden, an attractive invitation. So he said, well, how's this prophet going to respond? Next verse, verse 8. But the man of God answered the king, Even if you were to give me half of your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. That's not just a no, right? That's a no way. I read this, I think, man, that's a little bit on the rude side of things. Why? What's going on? Why did he refuse this invitation? Seems like a nice invitation. Why did he refuse the offer to eat supper with the king? 
Well, he tells the king, he gives the king the reason why. We see it in the next verse, verse 9. He says this, For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. It was clear. God told him he had specifically heard from God. How would you like that? I mean, we could read about stories like this in the Bible, but how would you like to hear from God? You know, when you're facing a decision or when you don't know your, which path is best to take or you're, you're at a crossroads and you want to know which one's the best, how would you like to hear from God? I would. Well, how? How do we do that? How can we hear from God? Well, the Bible tells us again and again and again that this God of ours, that he speaks. God, he wants to be known and he wants to be heard. God wants you to be able to recognize his voice. Well, how? God doesn't just take us and throw us out in the middle of the ocean and say, swim. No, instead, what we see when, when it comes to learning to hear the voice of God, we see, well, it's a process. It's something that we can learn. It's something that we can develop. It's something we can get better at. And it's very relational. Like this. Check, check this out. Been there? Little kids about ready to cry. First time that a baby cries, a lot of times we don't know what's wrong. But we learn. Right, parents? I mean, at first, you maybe aren't sure what's going on, but we learn to be able to distinguish even cries. Like we can start to distinguish, oh, that's a sad cry or that's a mad cry. Or sometimes the kid's just faking it. Right? They do that. But we learn to be able to tell the difference. That same thing is true when it comes to God. True when it comes to listening to Him. God, a lot of times, His voice isn't something that we hear audibly. It's more of a spiritual thing. His Spirit speaking to our spirit. And how do we learn to hear it? Well, we can get better at it. Sometimes you hear Christians talk about the value of reading the Bible every day. Well, why? Not just because we're going to get a life-changing insight every day. Not because every day, you know, we're, we're going to have a mountaintop moment. Not because we're going to get extra bonus points from God. But because of this. Through years of listening to Him on a daily basis, amazing thing happens. We can learn to recognize the voice of God. Jesus He told us the same thing. He put it this way in John 10, verse 4. He said, He goes on ahead of them and His sheep will follow Him because they know His voice. Because they know His voice. Do you know that voice? Can you differentiate that voice from the other voices internally? Because what I'd encourage you to do if you're not already doing it is make a commitment to say every day I'm going to spend little time reading or listening to the Bible. Invest now. Learn to listen now so that you can recognize the voice of God later. Well, the passage continues by introducing another character into this story. Verse 11. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. It's a second prophet. It's an older prophet. And again, we're given no name. 
So this is going to get linguistically confusing, not giving these guys names. So if I just refer to him as the prophet, so let's do this. I'm going to call the guy we've been talking about. I'm going to keep referring to him as the prophet. This new character, I'm going to refer to him as the old guy. Got it? Okay, so here's what happens in this story. New character is introduced, the old guy. This is the new person. He finds this prophet. He invites this prophet to eat at his house. The prophet, well, he already turned down the king's dinner invitation, and now he also turns down the old guy's invitation. We say, well, why? He gives the same reason. God had already commanded the prophet not to eat or drink in that reason because, region because of their disobedience. But this old guy, he doesn't take no for an answer. Verse 18. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. Be careful when someone claims to have a word from the Lord for you. Can God speak to us that way? Yes, certainly he can. But sometimes what's happening here, someone can claim to have a word from the Lord, but that doesn't guarantee that that word is actually from the Lord. Like this. Verse 18 continues, An angel said to me, By the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. God's saying, use discernment. You know, you, you use your brains. Take the source into account. This old guy, he may have been a man of God in the past, but he wasn't anymore. Context. This old guy, he was living in Bethel where the king had set up false altars and false priests and a false temple, disobeying the Lord. And this old guy, he hadn't taken a stand against that. Well, the original prophet believes this lie and he does this. Verse 19. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. Speaking of food. A lot of great food apps. You know this one? It's called Fujicator. And I like this. What you can do with this app is you can scan in any barcode, any item in a grocery store, and then it will give you the nutritional value and it will give you a nutritional grade for the product. Okay, example. Let's try asparagus. All right, this is going to rate high. We know that. So asparagus, here's what it says. Low calorie, high vitamin A, high vitamin C. It has iron, calcium, fiber. What's the nutritional grade? What? It's an A. Okay, well, let's try another example. There are other foods. How about a hot dog? Scan in a hot dog, and here's what we're going to see. We're going to see, well, it's got high calories. It's got high fat. It's got no vitamins, but it does have protein. So the nutritional grade, they give it a, a C minus. How about a Twinkie? <laughs> don't even bother. Right? I mean, bacteria don't even mess around with Twinkies. Well, here's what's happening. God tells this prophet very specifically, he says, don't eat in Bethel. But the old guy persuades him to, and he goes to his house for dinner. Hear what happens after dinner, because what happens after dinner, this might surprise you. 
Verse 23, when the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him and he went on his way and a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it, mauled to death by a lion. And you think you had a bad day. He's mauled to death by a lion. That's not nice. Right? I read a passage like this. I'm thinking, well, what happened? How could God let that happen? This is a prophet. This is a servant of the Lord. What happened to him? This doesn't seem very fair. Why didn't God protect him? Why did God just let this happen? Well, in this story, we don't have to theorize. Because God flat out tells us, verse 9, For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat or drink water, or return by the way you came. Was God clear? Yes. Did this prophet know? Yes. Did he do? No. And just in case we missed it the first time, we get the same thing again. Verse 17. I have been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or remain by the way you came. Was God clear? Yes. Did this prophet know? Yes. Did he do? No. He knew. But he didn't apply. Face goo. Have to pee. Fujicator. What do we call these things? We call them, we call them apps. We call them apps because these are specific ways that we can apply smartphone technology to our daily lives. What, what good is this? What good's a phone without any apps? I think that's what God is trying to say in 1 Kings chapter 13. This prophet, he knew. He knew what God was saying. He knew God's word. He knew God's way. He had the information. He had the facts. He just didn't apply them. True for him. True for many of us. When it comes to following Jesus, often we, we aren't lacking facts and we aren't lacking information. We're lacking this, application. You know, the goal of reading the Bible, it's not just to understand, it's to put into action. You know, the Christian faith, it can morph into some academic exercise instead of being a lifestyle. It can become something that we study, something that we talk about, rather than someone that we become, rather than something that that guides our decisions, that shapes our lives. We can use this book for information rather than application. 1 Kings chapter 13, God is saying, apply what you know. I've already spoken a whole bunch of things. Apply what you know. Apply what you already know. 
point of clarification. We don't get to heaven because we ace the Bible application class. We, we don't get to heaven because of what we do. We get to heaven because of what he did. Jesus, he came. Jesus, he sacrificed his life. Jesus, he covered the cost of sin. Jesus, he's the one that rose from the dead. So we aren't saved by what we do. We're saved by what he has done. We do, we follow, we apply. Why? Well, because we trust. We trust that anyone that would do that for us, we trust that he's good. We trust that his way is best. We trust that he knows what he's doing. Verse 9. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. He knew but he didn't do. He had the facts, but he didn't apply them because the purpose, it's not just to understand. Purpose, it's to put it into action. The purpose isn't just to know. The purpose, it's to become. Apply what you know. Apply what you already know. How many of you today, you're, you're facing a problem? And then how many of you would say, well, that problem, if it's something that you stop and you think about it, you already know what to do. You just aren't doing it. If a friend approached you with that same problem, you'd be able to give them advice. Apply what you know. Example, maybe your, your problem is, well, my marriage, it's not what it used to be. We've gone from being lovebirds to now it's just like we're, we're roommates. What do I do? Well, I think you probably know what to do. Right? Well, communicate, talk, bring it up. What can we do about this? If there's conflict, work through that conflict. Maybe you need to bring in a, a counselor to work through it. Or if it's just a, a romance issue, maybe you need to spend more time together. Maybe you put a little, a little more energy into creative dating. Apply what you already know. Or, or maybe you're like, you know, my relationships, they oftentimes, they start off strong, but man, they end up, they're just a hot mess. Well, are you following the Jesus way when, when it comes to the sexual area of your life? Apply what you already know. Or maybe you're thinking, no, spiritually, I'm just kind of stuck. I'm, I'm not growing. I feel like I'm stagnant. What did Jesus tell us to do? When he ascended into heaven, he didn't give a big, long sermon. He just gave a couple of verses. And his commandment to us at that point was what? It was go and make disciples. Why are you doing that? Are you investing in anyone? Are you making a contribution? Because that, those kind of things, those, that's how our faith grows. That, that's how we grow in our relationship with God. Apply what you already know. You know, often we don't need to know more from God. We simply need to do we simply need to apply what we already know. 
Encourage a friend. Show love to a difficult person. Give something away. Bless an enemy. Forgive somebody. Apply what you already know. Jesus taught this same thing. He put it this way, Luke eleven twenty eight. He said, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Apply what you know. James, he said the same thing. He put it this way. Read this one with me. It's from James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Apply what you know. That's this. 1 Kings 13, 9, For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. He knew. It was clear, but he didn't apply. So he met Mr. Lion. 1 Kings chapter 13. It's not very well known. It's not very popular. And it's not very complicated. To know is not necessarily to do. Apply what you know. It's easier to be informed than to be good. Apply what you know. The history of the first century church is not called the book of truths. It's called the book of Acts. Apply what you know. Christian isn't the name of a church. Christian, that's who you are. Apply what you know. Apply what you know. Apply what you already know. Because following Jesus, following Jesus isn't something you believe. Following Jesus is something you do. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.